Praise God. If you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get it out. Got your Bible apps on your phone. Find the book of John, chapter 4. If you're new with us today or new to church, period, we get that and understand that. And you are not out of place. You're in the right place. Even if this is a bit different for you in some ways than what you thought or what you are used to, uh, it was different for everyone at some point. And uh, judge it by its fruit. See the results. See what happens in your life and in the lives of other people. And you'll see that God is real. He loves you, wants to do amazing things in your life. Amen, amen, amen. Now, uh, I started a new message, new series, uh, two weeks ago. So this will be the third part. If you're behind at all, then, you know, go on the website and get caught up. And uh, the last two weeks have been just wonderful, just outstanding. God has visited us and blessed us with His presence and revelation knowledge, and it's all so very helpful. But I want to jump right back into this message I call, We Bow Down. All right? We Bow Down. In, in the fourth chapter of John, we see Jesus here, red letter man, speaking. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is... When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. If you're at all like me, you're not interested in just playing spiritual or religious games. You're not here just going through the motions, but you want a real, genuine connection with God. You want Him to intersect your life to where it produces tangible results. We're interested most of all, of course, in missing hell and going to heaven. (laughs) That's kind of a motivator. Uh, but but if you've already received the Lord, uh, you know you're you're good on that side of the uh, of your life. But you still want to have a, the real thing here working in your life, and and that's the way I am. So when I talk about bowing down, talk about worshiping the Lord, uh, I'm looking for a real genuine experience, not just a uh, not just a religious tradition, or not just the way I've always known it or I've always done it. I want to say what. What do you have to say about this, Lord? Well, what would be your instructions as for me and how I approach you? And we can see here that there is such a thing as a true worshiper. Okay, Again, that just tells me there must be a fake worshiper. It must be a false worshiper. There must be something that's not genuine. It's not the, the, the real thing. Uh, there must be a type of worship or worshiper that God doesn't seek. He's not looking for that kind, but he is seeking this other type of person that works, worships him a certain way. And, and so what does it mean to truly worship God? Again, it must not be automatic. Otherwise, you know, he wouldn't be saying these things. And if everyone did it, the Father wouldn't be seeking out this higher class of people who would worship him in spirit and truth. Uh, amen. Amen. And so true worship... We know this is both uh, a heart issue and it's a behavior issue. Uh, In other words, it's not just a state of mind. It is something that we literally do. It plays out in our actions. But at the same time, a person could have the right actions. They could play the part, you know, look, look the part, play the role, 
uh, but it not really be taking place inwardly. All right? It's possible to do something on the outside, but lack the proper inward motivation and, and really honor and respect of God for who He is. And so I kind of want to, you know, I want to look at this. What do I do personally? What we do in our church? And I think, let's go for it and have the in and the outright. Not just, fun, but not just an outward show, but an inward work. But not just an inward work where we, you know, we, we look like the tree planted by the water will not be moved, but an inward work that expresses itself um, in, a, in a right and proper way according to what God would desire. I know at this time many people are meeting in uh, services all across the land, and, and typically they are called worship services. Right? Some, would, some would define this as a worship service. Uh, how many recognize that just because something is called something, does not necessarily mean any worship is taking place. You could go to a worship service and God is not really glorified at all. Huh? It doesn't matter just what's on the label, it matters what's in the can. Yeah, I want to have a proper label, but, I also, but more important than that, I want to have the right thing in the can. <laughs> Praise God. So listen, I want to encourage everyone to keep their heart open to new ideas too. Don't be limited to the way you've always thought. I don't want to shut off because the, the, I don't want to shut off God from teaching me more. The moment I, I start to think, eh, you know, I don't know about this, and you know, I've never heard it this way before. Well, have you arrived? Do you know all there is to know? Have you experienced all there is to experience? I think any of us in our right mind would have to say no and no and no, no. There, there, there's some more for me to learn. So it's important that we, that we uh, maintain an open heart. I don't mean to be gullible either. I don't mean don't judge anything I say. Judge everything I say. Judge it by the word and, and, and make sure it's right. But stay open in your heart to receive. You know, the Pharisees, uh, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees were the religious leaders and rulers of their day. And, and, uh, and they were out watching how everybody did everything and, and often very condemning. And Jesus spoke to them in very strong words one day. How many recognize Jesus was both all loving and kind and forgiving and gracious, and he would get in your face? Yeah, if someone, especially if someone was doing the outward show but lacked the inward content and motivation, that was right. And uh, one day he spoke to the Pharisees, and he, it says in Mark chapter 7 and verse 6, he answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you? Now, how many know if you just stop right there and put the period, you might be pretty excited. Dude, seriously, the prophet prophesied about me. <laughs> awesome, I'm in the book. God gave a word to Isaiah about me. Boom. Except if you read the next word, it says hypocrites. <laughs> well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching the doctrine, uh, as doctrines the commandments of men. Now notice what he's saying here. He didn't say they're not worshiping him. He said they're worshiping him in vain. He didn't say they weren't honoring him with their, with their lips. He said they were missing the heart component. So if that was true of them, it makes me want to do a personal checkup on my own self and say, am I giving lip service to God but lack the inward proper respect and motivation and humility? Or am I, uh, you, you, you know, am I worshiping 
in a way that could be considered vain. All right? I'm not, I'm not here to have everyone thinking about how everyone else does it. I'd like you to think about how you approach God. All right? I'm going to think about how, how I approach God. Because I looked up the word vain, and it, it said with self in mind. With self in mind. Think about that concept. I'm worshiping you, Lord, but I'm thinking about me the whole time I'm doing this. I'm singing the song and thinking about myself. Wow, what a contradiction. To say and to, and to actually call that worship. Oh, wasn't worship today just wonderful? I don't know, was it? <laughs> what was going on inside of you? Do you mean the band sounded good? Do you, do you mean the choice of songs was wonderful? Or do you mean that God was glorified in your hearts and through your words and through your actions? That definition uh, with self in mind, it goes on to say, excessively proud of or concerned about one's own appearance, qualities, achievements. So again, this is the person. They might look like they're doing the right thing on the outside. They might be an outward participant. But inward, they're consumed with themselves. How they look. How they sound. Their accomplishments. What other people are, are thinking about them. They're, they're really, I mean, maybe we, they say, I worship you, Lord. But maybe they really should say, I worship me, Lord. I worship me. I worship me. I'm so good. <laughs> I know we wouldn't truly ever say that, but could it be that if our, if our mind is there, that that is really who we're worshiping? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, sometimes in real life, the way this can play out is we have, different, we have all different levels of gifting and skill and so forth. And, and some, some people really honestly just can't sing that well. Right? I mean, in the sense of you're never going to record anything. If we put a mic and said, hey, would you sing? You'd go, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> not, not my calling. Uh, but how many know just because you may not be the greatest singer in the world uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't still sing to the Lord? In other words, if someone said, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not a singer, so I'll just kind of think of... You're, you're thinking about you. Amen. Say, well, I don't want to hurt anyone around me. <laughs> I think if the heart's right, you'll be okay. You're not going to join the worship team, but sing to the Lord. It's about Him, not you. And I think if the heart is right, there, you know, like I say, sometimes there's an auto-corrector between you and heaven. Time your song comes up before the Lord, it is received as well as the best singer in the house. Really is. Because it's, it's about you worshiping God. And so some, they're self-conscious in that way. And then, or just, you know, about how they look and what other people might be thinking of them. And, and forget about it. Forget about it. Think about Him. On the other side, you got those who are really good singers. And they're doing a little concert. <laughs> For those around them, you know. And still, it can be a wrong heart. It can be a wrong motive. Because if we're thinking about how good we sound then we're still really not worshiping God like he, wants us, like he wants us to worship Him. It's called get your mind off of yourself. Get your mind onto Him. This is the way we worship. Amen. Sometimes it happens in outward ways and demonstration. You know, some people, they, they want to, uh, you know, I mean, in Scripture and in services, we know there's a time for, um, uh, what, what's the word? 
uh, a demonstrative worship. There's a time to shout and there's a time to dance and jump. You ever seen the, seen the individual who always wants to do that up front when no one else is doing it? <laughs> Ooh, silent moment there. Yeah, I mean, if the flow of the service is not that way, but one person wants to go and dance in front of everyone, it's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the right thing to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> At the same time, you know, really with uh, even just going to church, I think we miss it if our sole motivation in being in a service like this is what we are going to get out of it. Now, that should be part of our desire. I think everyone should get something out of going to church. And if you go to church regular and you don't get anything out of it, something's off. Either in you or the church or something's missing because God wants us to get something. But here's another thought. It's not just, what did I get out of church today? It's, did the Lord get anything out of church today? Because if we were truly worshiping Him, or if we called it that, or if we sang a song to Him, prayed to Him, was He glorified in what we did? And I shouldn't be satisfied with, with attending a service unless this activity also took place, that God was glorified in what happened in and through my life. And then you can add to that, was anyone else helped? Did anyone else in the, in, in, in the house, did they benefit at all from my presence? Was I able to smile, encourage, be friendly, serve, give, help, pray, minister? Was I able to do anything for someone else? That would be a key component. I mean, no, that's a little broader view than, you know, I don't know what an average person has. Am, did, am I going to get anything out of service? Say it out loud. It is not all about me. When we talk about worship, <laughs> didn't plan to do it that way, but came out that way. Uh, when we talk about worship, I want to understand what it is, okay? If I'm going to bow down, if I'm going to truly worship God, what does worship mean? What does the word mean? So I looked it up in the Hebrew, you know, the Old Testament translated from Hebrew. I looked it up in the Greek, New Testament translated from Greek. And, and, and the Hebrew word, Hebrew word, I think it's, it might be pronounced something like this, but uh, shaka. it's on the test. Uh, it just means simply, what? To bow down. To bow down. And you can see the title of my message. To bow down. I don't know that we automatically go to that or quickly think of that. We say, I'm going to worship the Lord. And we have this image in our mind of us being on our knees. But that's what the word means. So that needs to be in play. Whether it's always physical or that's the attitude. That's the respect that we give. That's the humility that we're showing. If you say, I worship God, in the Hebrew, they said, okay, here's what that means. You drop to your knees. Wow. And, and then I look uh, the word up, uh, pros, proskuno or proskunio or something like that in the Greek. Uh, two words. The first part of the word pros, P-R-O-S, means towards. And then the second part of the word, however you say that, means to kiss. So that's an interesting word, interesting word, to kiss towards. That's, that's what worship is. And I've read about how people in some ancient cultures would approach a king. You know, many of the, many of the nations of the world going back through history were kingdoms. And so they had a king, that person was in charge, and they, were, they held a high position. And so you didn't just stroll into the king's house What's up, king? 
You, you know, you didn't just cruise into the throne room any old way that you wanted and with any old time that you wanted. There was protocol, there was a proper way to do it, and there was an improper way. Anyway, what, I, what I've, I've read about how some of them approached a king was they would enter the throne room on their knees. And then they were, the, the way they would approach the king on the throne was they would walk up to the throne on their knees. I don't know how far that was. Seems kind of uncomfortable. But they would literally, that's, that's the way that was proper that they would be received. They walk up to the throne on their knees. And when they get to the throne, they'd lay flat on their face and kiss the king's feet. It's, but what's interesting is if that was the way that was in certain cultures and how they honored that place of a king. And then when the writers of the New Testament talked about worshiping God, they used that same word. That's interesting, interesting mentality that they had as far as our worshiping God. See, we, we might think, I even do it there by, by habit. I go, worshiping God. Because I think lifting your hands, and that's biblical, and it's right to do that. But I, worshiping God, I wonder if I were speaking and I were from their culture, I would say, and worshiping God. And think humility, and think bowing, and think dropping to my knee, or something like that. Because that is what the words mean. And so maybe we need to adjust a little bit when we think of how do we worship God and, and what that looks like and what that is to uh, the attitude we are to have in God's present presence. We can see for sure this is no flippant act. This is much deeper than I enjoyed the song. How was worship today? Oh, it was amazing. I felt so good. I, fine, I'm all for feeling good. I'm all for jo- enjoying the set list, right? But it's not about me. If I truly had a good worship experience, I humbled myself. I submitted to His ways. I bowed my, my, my knees, whether that's physically, but I, I definitely came before Him in honor and worship. And it wasn't just about how it made me feel. Everybody okay? I'm all for feeling good. I feel good today. I feel good in God's presence. Um... Think about it, though. If, if God were to show up in all of His manifest glory, give, him, give us a, you know, a full picture of who He is in all, in all of His glory, how would you feel there? What would, that, what, would, what would that experience be like? Imagine with me for a moment. Because, listen, I can certainly tell you of stories, and you, many of you could as well, times I've been in the presence of God, and I was so happy... And I was so peaceful. And times in God's presence where healings were just pop, 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 manifest. And all that stuff is in God's presence for sure. And I could give scriptures. We could do a lesson on that. Times where in God's presence, all of a sudden things become clear and you understand. But as I uh, was preparing and seeking God as to how I should represent Him so we have a proper understanding of what it truly means to worship God... I think I was drawn to some specific examples in Scripture that show something else that may be also ways that His glory is manifest. And so I want to show you one. If you, if you look over uh, at the book of Isaiah, 
It's right about in the middle of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6. And if you're able to read this one with me, then that will be great. Then I'll I'll give you some more uh, on the fly. Isaiah chapter 6. I really think that in God's presence, probably our first response to Him is not high fives and chest bumps. Boom! Right? I, I think in God's manifest presence, bowing is not an issue. It's kind of naturally motivated, naturally inspired. It kind of is automatic. And and Isaiah, a prophet of God, had this experience. Did he have it every day? No. Are you going to have it every day? No. (laughs) He had this experience experience with God. He said in in verse 1 of chapter 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, you know, these angelic beings. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. That seems like humility there. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Think about this image. Think about this this experience Isaiah is having. And he's seeing the Lord, and he is... See, what's his response? And he says to the Lord, This is awesome! I want to do this again! This is so cool, Lord! No. His response was, Whoa! Whoa! is me for I am undone his response was very interesting he was taken back he was if you read other translations he thought he was toast he thought I can't survive in this I am out of here I'm going to be destroyed this presence is too awesome It is too powerful. It is too glorious. Woe is me. I am undone. I hope this gives us a little image of what God is really like. Some might think, well, you know, that's Old Testament. You know, and of course they're still sinners. And now we're the righteousness of God in Christ. I know, so let's look at Revelation chapter 1. You don't need to turn there, but Revelation, the very last book in the Bible, John the Apostle, John the Beloved of Jesus, he had an experience of seeing the Lord. And you know what, he, what happened to him? It says in, in, uh, in, in Revelation 1 verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Think about that response to the manifest presence and glory of God. He went, boom, and didn't move. He didn't die, but he sure looked dead. He was overcome because of God's awesome presence. And then uh, you might be familiar with the account uh, one day in Jesus' ministry. He took three of his inner circle. Remember Peter, James, and John? They went up on a mountain. We typically refer to that as the Mount of Transfiguration because in that place, Jesus lit up (laughs) his... He became white, 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 his clothes, and the glory of God came, and they had a 
you know, in a conversation there with Moses and Elijah, and he has his disciples there who are totally out of it. But then, while that, while Jesus is discussing his, you know, they're discussing his coming death and so forth, and then they kind of come to themselves, and there's those guys, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, and what did they say? Everything's coming clear to me now, Lord. I seem to have a clarity that I didn't have before. And I'm filled with joy and peace. And what a want. No, that wasn't. In fact, Peter spoke up. That wasn't outside of his personality. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 5, Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles or huts or tents. Uh, and One for you, one for Moses. One for Elijah, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Think about this. Jesus' love manifest. God is love. Did he love them? Was God about to wipe them out? No. But in God's awesome presence, they were afraid. They're like, oh, junk, what am I going to do here? He didn't know what to say, so he just started talking and... We still laugh about it today, and, and, and if we mess with him in heaven, he'll probably say, what would you have said? <laughs> he was overcome by the very glory and manifestation of God's presence, and it, he was in awe. Isaiah was undone. John fell on, fell on the ground, and Peter started talking crazy. <laughs> I wonder how much we know about the, the awesomeness and presence and glory of God. I remember a number of years back, we were doing a men's event uh, up in Cascade, and uh, during this time, I was still helping with worship some, and and uh, we were starting the first night of this event, and I had planned, I had a plan, I, I looked up some high-quality jokes. <laughs> I'm going to start the camp off reading some good jokes, and, and they were good ones, and and uh, but even as I started, I'm speaking on the microphone, I'm thinking something's going on here. It's like, what in the world? And I I continued with my plan a little bit, and I read some of the jokes, and of course they were funny. But it seemed like they didn't really matter at this point. I don't mean God was offended by them, nothing like that. But it's like, man, something's happening in here before we even started. And we started singing. And with just a, within just a few minutes, the glory of God is so manifest in this place, guys all over the place are laying on the ground with their face to the ground. And not that we didn't tell them to do it. We didn't, uh, it wasn't like normal practice, like this is what you do when, you, uh, when we worship God. We generally, like we do here, we stand. And we worship, and that's fine, and that's okay. But without any external motivation... People are just hitting the ground and laying out before God. It was awesome. Our guest, we had a guest speaker up there. I'm looking over and there he is, face in the ground. The presence of God is a wonderful thing. And yes, at times it'll make you laugh and smile and give you peace. And sometimes you just stand in awe of who he is. And his presence is just so moving. It will mess you up. It's awesome. 
think we should have a right understanding of this. Many a, many a minister has experienced times in ministering where they get to a place and God's presence so fills the house and you don't know what to do with it. Typically, when, I, when I'm leading, I like to know what to say or what to do. I don't really want several minutes of silence. But I've been in those services. Some of you have too. We've ha- had them here. There are times in our believers' meetings where I don't have a word of knowledge. I don't have an exhortation. I don't have a leading. I don't think we should sing. I'm just going to have to sit right here for a little bit. And we just sit. And there's nothing else to do. There's, God's not speaking, but He's very present. And it's just we stand in awe of Him. I think whether we have that experience or just know it by revelation of who He is and, 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 and how He is, that we would approach Him, even if we're not overcome by something, but we would approach Him with a greater reverence, a greater respect, a greater awe. And I think it's right. I think the Father's seeking such to worship Him, where it is the real deal. Amen. Now, when we see that worship and bowing is an act of humility. It is an act of submission to God's ways. I'm going to remind you just in, in closing here, just have a little bit more time. Otherwise, we could light it, light it up for a while. Uh, but when, when God led Israel into the land he was given them, the promised land, part of Israel where it is presently today, and much more because they've given some up. But uh, he told them about the nations they were basically disposing from that land. Uh, he said, make sure you don't let their worship habits get on you. He said, don't do what they do. Don't follow their practices. Don't serve their gods. You're going to go with me, you're going to serve me, and I want you to do it this way. Okay? He said, in, and I'll read this to you, Deuteronomy 12, 31, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Look at In that way. For, for every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, they have done to their gods. Everything God hated, he said, those people, they do that. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Wow. He said, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take from it, nor take away from it. This was the Lord's command. I want you to catch his heart. He said, if you're going to worship me, I want you to do it my way. I don't want you to come up with your own idea, your own agenda, your own plan, your own preference, and do it however you want. Amen. He said, I want you to do it my way. Isn't that kind of contrary to our culture? Everything is the way we want to do it. And don't you infringe upon it, and don't you judge me for doing it the way I want to do it. Quit it. You've got a stinking attitude. You want to serve some other God, then go ahead and do it any old way you want. But if you're going to worship the Lord, you submit and say, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to live my life? How do you want me to approach you? Amen. Someone said, well, I think everything is worship. Well, God doesn't think everything is worship. 
I think we should all worship God in our own way. He doesn't think you ought to do that. He has specific ways he wants you to approach him. Some things are just self-indulgent. Some things are just a distraction. And if we will humble ourselves under his mighty hand, we do things his way, I tell you, we're going to get somewhere. He'll be honored. He'll be glorified. Amen. And so you can't truly worship God and not care about what he wants you to do. In other words, there are times when people have run from God. Maybe you're here today and, you know, you're not really walking with him or following his plan. And, uh, and you know that deep down inside. You know you're not where you're supposed to be. You can't truly worship God in that place. Because the day, the moment you open up your heart to magnify Him, and if you sing and truly worship Him, you're either faking it because you know there's an issue, or your worship will crush that. It will mess up that self-exaltation, that rebellion that I'm going to live my life my way. It'll mess that up completely if you truly worship God. So here's the thing. You're either going to go all in or you're going to fake it. Right? When I truly worship Him, His will becomes what I'm consumed with. His kingdom, His way, His plan. That's all I want. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I trust the Lord will work in your heart today. You know, Paul wrote to the Romans, and he said in a very popular verse, Romans 12, 1, he talked about worship there, but it was in a different way. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What's my true and proper worship? The way I sing the song. No, no, no. He said, when, if there's worship going on, there's a sacrifice going on. If there's a sacrifice happening, something's dying. In this case, what dies? If I truly worship God, what dies? My way. My boasting. My self-exaltation. My fleshly desires. My sinful habits. Whatever, something in me is going on the altar and it's getting the knife. Because he is only going to be glorified when that stuff dies. Amen. Everybody okay today? It is about submitting to God's ways and God's plan. I think we have a house full of people here today. At least, at least a bunch of us that are moved inside. And you say, I want to be a true worshiper. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be phony. I don't want to be all centered on me. I don't want to in vain worship him. I want to give him the glory he deserves, his way, his why, amen, his how. Praise God. Pray with me today. Father, in the name of